Welcome. You're about to listen to a message from LifePoint, a warm, friendly, and vibrant community for the young at heart. So this month, we've been talking about unleashing your creative DNA and understanding that we all have creative genius on the inside of us. But as with most things, as we started the, the teaching series, people started coming to us with questions. And they had a number of questions. So we want to start to try to address some of those questions in our usual unplugged, you know, boiled down, easy conversational style. So here's what I'm going to say. If you have any questions and you'd like to ask them live in the room, um, there's someone in my, on my right who can reach out. Sharon will be on the right here. She'll have a microphone. If you want, you can just raise your hand wherever you are or signal to one of the ushers in the room. We'd like to take a couple of questions live from the room. I'd like to take a couple of questions live from our online audience as well. So LifePoint, if you could please put your hands together and welcome up to the stage our special guest for this week's or this month's Unplugged Conversations. Please put your hands together and welcome up to the stage with me, my brother, my friend, the award-winning man of, uh, international man of mystery, Ejiro, AKA Eji Baby. Where are you, Ejiro? As I've watched you now, you should be running down. Run down, bro, run down. Now I'm for you. You're really strolling. International man of mystery, calm down. Please put your hands together and welcome him to the stage. Life points tallest man, life point finest man, all the above. <laughs> yeah. Um, me. I chose it. I wanted to show them your days when you were in the, out in the world, out in the streets, when you had braids. <laughs> awesome. And um, we have one very special guest who's come all the way to answer our questions. So LifePoint, if, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to ask that we stand and we just give a warm round of applause for our special, special, special guest. Special guest who's come all the way to speak to us. Um, Miss, oh, sorry, Mrs. Kikelomo Fola Ogunia, the CEO, founder, co-founder of Jand to Giddy. Please clap for our life point. We can do better than this. Come on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Awesome. Okay. Please have your seat. So what I'm just going to do very quickly is I am going to do the honors of reading the profile of our guest. And then I'm going to ask Ejiro to give his own um, profile. Because you're not that special. Do you understand? You're just my G. You're my guy. So, but I'll read the profile of our guest, and then Adrian will also introduce himself. So, our special guest, um, Mrs. Kikelomo, is a lawyer, entrepreneur, and a young global leader with over 15 years' experience in the legal, logistics, and marketing industries. She holds a first-class, hey, Jesus, a first-class law degree from London Metropolitan University, so basically not UI, and a master's in international business law from University College London. Again, not Ilefe, but you know. She also has a BL degree from Nigerian Law School. She's a self-motivated and passionate about sustainable development goals and has contributed immensely in the areas of decent work and economic growth, as well as gender equality in Africa. Through her various positions through the years and her business um, through her various positions through the years and her business in a male-dominated industry, she has amassed and honed a unique skill set 
that makes her a well-rounded and versatile leader. So LifePoint, please, one more time, welcome with me, Mrs. Kike Lomo Falaogunia. Thank you so much for joining us. Would you like to say a few words before I hand over to this guy? Yes, um, good morning everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I think it's a pleasure to be here because I literally, I remember um, in 2013, um, my partner and I, Ama, stood over somewhere over there speaking to Pastor Godman about wanting to start Jantigidi and wanting to do it full time. And just being here nine years later speaking on the Jantigidi platform, um, I think is a true blessing and I'm really glad to be here. Thank you so much. Um, let me hand over to Idro very quickly. Like, do you see the setup, right? Because look at her amazing, like, bio, right? <laughs> As you understand. Then I want to start with, like, oh, I'm a law graduate from the University of Benin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a lawyer. Okay, yeah. Um, so, like, um, professionally, right? Um, law graduate, but I transitioned very quickly to banking and then to risk consulting, and then I moved into tech. I worked in payments for a year and now I work in management consulting with Boston Consulting. Um, outside of that, I have a few interests. Um, I think the one more relevant to this conversation is I'm a filmmaker on the side, right? So I've done a couple of like projects in the past couple of years, um, and yeah, I think that's it. And then I work in LifePoint Church, which is my most important. Mm. <laughs> I'm the creative lead at the LifePoint Church. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Thank you. So here's what we're going to do very quickly. And um, so like I mentioned, the, during the course of the month, we've been talking about unleashing the creative genius that God has given us on the inside of us. Um, but we know that specific to the both of you, there was a specific pain point or a specific story that led to you unleashing that creativity with what you do currently. So I want you to just sort of tell us your story. What happened or what precipitated what then led to the business, Chantogidi, or what has happened in your life that has precipitated you unleashing that creative genius in the many ways that you now do? So just to hear that story. Okay, thank you. Um, so in 20, a few years back, I returned from the UK from schooling and um, I was doing my, I did my NYSC, started working as a lawyer in a law firm. I was there for two years and then I moved, um, Ama was, Okay, basically, our boyfriends were friends, right? That's how we met. So two boyfriends were friends, and then we met each other. Okay, hi, Emma. We just meet um, casually. And then um, after I worked as a lawyer, she told me that there was a vacancy in her office. It was an all-service company, and I applied, and I got the job. So that was where we became closer, and, you know, we fostered the relationship even more. So I would always, and she also schooled in the UK, so we're both returnees, and we'd always ask each other if we knew anybody coming back from Jan, because that's like everybody asked that question. Do you know anybody coming back from the UK? Can anybody help me bring something from America, et cetera, et cetera? So we would always ask each other, and it was a pain. That was the real pain, trying to just shop for one pair of shoes or whatever you're used to shopping from in the UK, and we couldn't get it in. So we just thought, why don't we solve this problem for ourselves and for other people that are in our shoes, whether you're a returnee or whether you're just here and you want to buy something from overseas? And this was in 2013. So we registered the business. Um, we then started doing the UK. Um, before you knew it, we had to decide on whether, basically our company pulled out of Nigeria. So we're made redundant, Ama first and then my, my department. So we thought, okay, should we do this full time? We were doing it as a side project at the time. Should we do this full time or go and find other jobs? Um, and we're newlyweds, I should add. We had now gotten married to the boyfriends that we met. <laughs> so we now said, how are we going to do this? Do Jan full time, which was still a new business. We had been running it for a year as a side project. 
And then um, we decided to give Jansigiri a. That was one of the conversations we had with Pastor Godman. Okay, what should we do? How do we decide? Anyway, we decided to give it a shot. One year, we said we'll give ourselves one year, see how it goes. And to the glory of God, this was in 2014, and we haven't looked back since. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how Jansigiri started. And then we've obviously started doing America, doing, the, doing China. So you can see we named ourselves Jansigiri. It was a small, we had small minds. So it was UK to Nigeria. And since then, we've been doing all sorts, all sorts of things, anything for deliveries into, within, and out of Nigeria. So please follow us and use us. <laughs> Love it. I mean, sorry, I feel like one of the primary messages I got from that was, who is your boyfriend friends with? <laughs> You know, but I mean, I got many other things. I mean, and this goes again to what, um, so we had Lake Alder in, in service and he was telling us about how some people name their businesses Ifunaya and Co business. And then all of a sudden you start to get traction in the world and then you need to go, but it's great that you have, you know, so thank you for sharing that story. Adrian, do you want to talk us through? Yeah, sure. Um, my creative journey, I believe, started in like uni. Um, in uni, like we, I was in a fellowship, right? And then I was in a team that like had to like on a weekly basis like create ideas because we used to do like instead of doing announcements in my fellowship in uni, we used to do adverts, live adverts every week. Yeah, so my unit was responsible for like doing that like back to back every week. Um, and sort of that's where like I say like working on my like creative muscle. And the core people I work with now who like I, okay, let's so let me just like jump to my first film, which was No Means Maybe. I wrote a short story called No Means Maybe. It was about um, sexual abuse. And one of my friends from uni who was like part of my team read it and was like, Adrian, we need to make this a film. And then I had like, I'd never thought about making a film. And I was like, Adrian, we need to make this a film. That's Lucky. Love you, Lucky. Um, and I was like, okay, sure, like, let's do it. And like, we just started, we got someone like another of our friends from that group actually to write the script. Um, and like we shot, we used life points, we used those are our black curtains, we used the car park. Um, we were in a small group called TGIF. There's a place we used to have our events. They gave us their location for free. Samuel gave us his house. Erima, who was in Life Point, gave us her house. Like we just like we shot almost all the cast from Life Point. Like we just we just bootstrapped that first like first project, and then we did it. And to be honest, the journey was more for them than for me, right? Because I like, had a full-on career that I've been pursuing since then, but since then, Lucky and Josh, who were the two like, other co-producers, have gone on to like, do stuff that's now on Netflix. They work with the Kemi Atisiba. Um, at the last project, where I was in the New York Tri-State Film Festival, San Francisco Film Festival, Baltimore. So um, it was just a thing of, I created something, and somebody else around me was just like, we can make more out of this, and yeah. Awesome, that's, that's such a great story. So, um, I mean, I, I feel like we could preach a whole camp meeting on this, but I have a number of questions and I'd like to start to ask some of these questions um, just to get your, your take on them. So, um, you talked about how you kind of knew you had creative energy and this person is saying the same thing. Look, I feel like I have creative energy. I excel at many things, but I don't know how to streamline all this creative genius to one thing. So, you had a career that you were doing while you were shooting films and doing, you know, chasing... <clears throat> doing other things, uh, you know, so the, the person is asking, should I be looking to focus on only one thing, or should I try to take on all these different things I've been gifted to do? Okay, great question. I think, and this is my opinion, I think a mistake I made earlier, right, 
is I was trying to do many things at the same time. It's great, it feels good sometimes, but it can also be limiting, right? Something I learned subsequently, and I learned from like observing people around me, there are many people blessed with different things, right? But sometimes you need one thing to break through with, and that requires focus, right? Um, I think example people typically use is light, right? You know, like the sun is just like shining, but if you like, it's like a magnifying glass, right? And you like focus the rays from the sun, like you can set a piece of paper on fire, right? And that's sort of the same thing. We like, many of us have like a ton of like, I can write, I can direct movies. The time I used to MC events, like and people are always like, I can organize events, right? Um, but if, when you focus your energy, right, you are able to break through in one, right? Just like repeated, like carrying out of that one thing, it provides you with like, um, like industry expertise, your knowledge becomes deeper, more people know you and like, associate you with the thing, and then like you can propel yourself forward. And I'll just like a very simple example. Like I do, I can say over the next two years, I want to do four different things. Or I can say over the next two or three years, we want to release our feature film, right? If we release our feature film, it gives us like, just like a significantly higher platform. And there's a level of success you now attain where doing many things is not a limitation anymore because you have the money to like invest in 10 things. But where you are right now, you probably don't. So you need to, all of your resources, you need to like target it at one thing. And I think that's like, then you like experience that breakthrough that now allows you like do like 10 different things. And you can use Tyler Perry as an example, who now does many things, but he was doing one thing. In fact, he was shooting only one type of film for like the longest time. Yeah, that's, that's my take. Awesome. So let me ask you as well, I mean, lawyer, you know, all these great degrees and everything, you found a pain point that then helped you focus your energy. But my question to you would be, what if you hadn't found that? Would you have just continued to do what you were doing? Like, how else would you have been able to deploy that creative energy, even though you were so multi-skilled? Um, I, think, I think that, thank you. Um, I think if I wasn't doing, if I didn't stumble on Jan Tigidi, um, I would have just carried on doing what I was doing. However, even in that space, even if you're in paid employment, thank you, thank you. even if you're in paid employment, um, doing being a lawyer, there's still an avenue for creativity. Even at any level, whether it's a side project or something that your company needs you to do, there are problems, what is, it? What is creativity? Creativity is just having original ideas and things that can at least bring value and earn you an income. So while you're working on your paid employment, your nine to five, problems arise. Do you come up with creative ways or are you just waiting for your bosses to tell you what to do? So even if I didn't stumble on Jan Tigidi and start marketing, I never had a marketing background, I just um, play on my personality and things I see and that's how I create content for our business, um, I would have had to do that anyway on the job. So I think creativity comes into every single thing that you do. Um, don't just think within the box. Don't just follow what's, you know, the templates you have. Try and think outside the box and just create stuff. So I think I would still have been a creative. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. So let me get a little more gritty with my questions. Now, there is creativity, and you guys are creating within the context that you currently find yourselves. But this person is asking, there are times when you're placed in a place, um, classic example, sorry, we are Nigerians, and Nigeria has a way of stifling, sorry, I'm saying it very cool, your creative energy. So what happens when you find yourself in a place 
where you have all these creative ideas, this creative energy, but the, the, the location itself has a way of just sort of killing off that creativity. What are some of the things you had to do to overcome that limitation? Um, I'll use COVID as an example. So um, you're creating, you're living your life, you're just you know, earning, you're doing everything, and then all of a sudden, things just stop. Um, at that time, obviously, flights from the UK were not coming in. Um, what could we have done? We still had salaries to pay. Um, so Amma and I, she's in the audience. Amma and I decided... <laughs> Amma and I pivoted. We started selling uh, parcel delivery sprays. So, for example, it's a sanitizer spray. <laughs> Do you understand? So you're still receiving deliveries at home because everybody was still receiving deliveries. But you had to always spray things down. So we started selling what you're going to use to spray down whatever we deliver or whatever, because we also do local delivery. So if we're bringing something for you from Surulere, for example, sanitize it, because somebody else has come into contact with you. So yeah, use the spray and sanitize. So it's just about thinking, and um, whenever there's, a, there's something that stifles that continuous um, production, or continuous earning, or continuous like doing, just look for something. It's not easy. Look for something else. Like, for example, what happened to the lady that just sang? She was, you know, creating, <laughs> and <Dummy>. then... <laughs> No, it's, it was, it was, it's a perfect example. And then she just, something happened in the environment that distracted her or made her lose her focus. She didn't just say, okay, sorry, I can't perform. She just gathered herself. You know, everybody laughed about it. And we took, I took that, that's what I took from it. So she turned it into something and ended up with a beautiful performance. So I think, and I also think, and I also think it's, all, it's also important, the people you have around you, because they then started cheering her on. And from then, she got the confidence to come back and keep creating and just, you know, she killed it. So yeah, I think... Dami, don't be proud. Don't be proud. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> but I wanted to ask Adria as well. So I think, you know, What's stifling your creativity or like an environment can be like a micro environment. So for example, like your immediate circle, like your family, like your friends. Um, and then it could be like on a, on a more macro level, like the country, let's say like Nigeria, for example. I think when we speak about like the environment, like the macro one, right? It's very tricky, but you know, adversity actually like helps creativity. So I know like PG has said something like twice now to my hearing um, leaders meeting yesterday and, the, uh, and he was like, we're in a time of like weariness, right? Like there's a general like, uh, you know, we're going through the great resignation and stuff where the slightest adversity makes us drop things, whether it's relationships, whether it's projects, whether it's, right? But really like if you look at stories of like really excellent people, they, 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 they came out from places that you would say this was a stifling environment, but they decided to like break through. And sometimes it's a question of destiny, right? If you believe that the thing you're called to do is significantly important, you will place like so much value on it that you will invest like more of yourself to like break through the obstacles. Does that make sense? So I think like Nigeria stifles creativity but we're one of the most creative countries in the world. Our media, our art, our entertainment, top. Our movies are getting there. We have an investment like challenge with our movies, but like the creativity is very, very well alive, regardless of all the things that we're going through. So I think on a macro level, Nigeria, like the macro environment shouldn't stop you. 
it's actually, and in fact, that's how like you filter, right? That's how you, like, you separate like, people who are going to do this from people who are not, right? So I think the macro environment, stifling forces people to like, even like, do more, right? So when you're on a like, smaller budget, you think more about how to maximize. So I'm not saying that stifling is good. I'm saying that stifling can be good. Depends on how you react to it, like that's macro. When it comes to like micro, like, so I'm talking like family, for example, like your close circles, people who don't believe in you, people who like put you down. Hmm. I've never had to deal with that, to be very honest, because I've always been very careful about like who I surround myself with, and I'm like, my friends are very affirmative of me. Um, but I think, maybe someone else can speak to that a bit more, but I think you may have to, you know, step out and find places where creativity is encouraged, right? And one of the best, and that's like one, two is, I think, when you do things, right, you, you begin to listen to your own voice more. So if you only think in your head, like you, you, when you have ideas, you just play it in your head, I could do this, I could do that, I could do that. When like, you are facing any form of adversity, you, you don't have anything to like, fall back on, right? But when you step out and say, oh, um, maybe I have this idea to make a, a short film or to make a movie or like whatever, or to, write, or to write a short story, and you write it, like you actually do the writing, next time you have like something to say, you know the way we talk about God and say like God's precedence is why we trust him. You cannot say my precedence is why I know that even though this environment is saying I am not an, or I can't, right? I can because I have, right? So like you need to like put in that like, I can do it, so I do it. Not talk about it. Really, like Alda said last week. The idea of an idea is not an idea. You are not a creative person because, as in, you have ideas, like you are the king of ideas. No, you are a creative person because you bring your ideas to life. That's what makes you creative. It's not about thinking it, right? So if you do a few small ones, like you can do tiny things, it just gives you like that credibility for yourself, right? Um, I think those are the two things I'll say, thank you. Awesome. Can I, can I also ask you, I don't know if you have any stories like pertaining to family as well, because this person's question was specific about family. I mean, I, I think back to my own experience, and I know some of my cousins and friends who wanted to start singing, and his auntie showing going, my friend, will you keep quiet? You know, those types of things. They are singing, they are disturbing the whole neighborhood, those types of things, or people who play instruments whose parents refuse to let them learn that in, the, in their home context and had to go to school to learn. But I'm just thinking, what do you do when your family is the primary obstacle to your creative deployment? Um, uh, well, thankfully, I've never had to be in that situation, but I think, um, I think it's just about educating the family because you know how it is. Families don't, you go to school, like now doing um, Jan's Guinea logistics. He didn't quite, my dad didn't quite understand it, but I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm already, I, I, I think I'd even tell him at first because it was a side thing. It was when he started getting there. So when they see the traction, I think that's when they buy into it. We see the memes on social media all the time about how, oh no, you're not going to be a comedian, but then you know, you're now enjoying the proceeds of, of comedy. So just educate them. And I think you can't, I don't think it's advisable to now lose your family because of what you want to do. So I think it's just about, I think treading softly, treading gently, and just using wisdom, and at the same time praying to God about it because to touch, he can touch the hearts of men, you know, so he can turn things in your favor. So cutting off your family because I want to do music, I don't think it's the right way to go. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, remembered specifically about that, right? Family, people speak from a place of their experience, 
So it's not like your family doesn't like you or your family hates you. Sometimes it's just, they're just afraid for you. To be honest, like, let's just be real. Like, pursuing a creative, and I'm, I think especially talking about like, pursuing a creative career, it is a long and hard road. Like, it is a very hard road. It's like saying you want to be a footballer. It is a very, very hard road. So sometimes, like, your parents are looking at you and they are afraid for you because they know that there's, there's, a, like, there's a more possibility that you, that you fail than that you succeed, right? And that is where the place of conviction and promise comes. Why are you doing the thing that you're doing? If you actually believe, right, so maybe God has spoken to you, you have that relationship with God where you feel like this is what I need to do with you, this is what I am called to do with my life, right, then you have a promise to hold on to, right, and you can communicate that vision and promise with them, but you need to have conviction. They are speaking based on the data sets that they have. There are probably one million musicians in Nigeria. Like, just forget about, like, the guys you know, right, making songs every day who will never see the light of day, right, so they speak from a place of, like, their own, like, fear and, like, yeah, so, so I just want to say, like, your family doesn't hate you because they are saying, don't do music or don't go and become an actor. No, they're probably speaking from a place of care. They're just projecting their own insecurities on you. So if you now, you need to have your own conviction. Nobody can believe in you more than you believe in yourself. That's why many popular people have those, nobody believed in me stories. Because yeah, nobody can believe in you more than you believe in yourself. So <laughs> yeah, so you need to have that like conviction and probably the best way to get it from God. Yeah. Awesome. So getting it from God, great. But the fear of failure is the biggest like crippler of the, my family is, is scared for me all well and good but the one that is doing me going is what if i do this thing and i fall flat on my face and and that's part of what i actually wanted to mention is that when these people are saying nobody believed in me blah 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 first of all is a lie because people actually believed in them but they just the, the story is only sweeter when you say it was just me you know and then what they also don't tell you sometimes is that they had done three, four, five, six businesses before and all of them failed. Yeah. And they got, so again, how do I deal with this fear of failure? And I wanted to ask you about that because you clearly had to compete with that when you were laid off from work and you had this business that was still just starting off. I mean, by the, by the time it was one year, you felt like you could do it, but what made you think, you know what, I, I'm not scared to fail in this regard? Uh, that's, I was, we're scared, you know, so we gave ourselves a timeline, okay, after a year. <laughs> if we <laughs> fail, we do this year. One year failure, we can still manage it. We can still manage it. We just go back to what we're doing. But um, jokes aside, it was, it was crazy, you know, you're leaving the comfort of a nine to five where you know that you're getting a salary every month and then you're going into this thing that you don't really know. Well, you've done, we've done it for a year at that point, but still, um, and we're newlyweds, so our husbands now had to, you know, take up, a lot of the responsibilities, um, which wasn't really what we wanted to do. But at the time, you know, so basically you're like, saying, if I'm married, my no, wife. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. It just happened to be our own situation. The business, thankfully, I had already gained some traction for a year, but then it just wasn't. We were not sure if we'll be able to sustain it to earn a proper living and to fully support our homes. So that was why that was where the difficulty or the fear came from. Even on a daily basis, till now. There's still that fear of failure. There's a fear of, oh my God, the exchange rate is going through roofs. Would Nigerians still be able to buy stuff? Would I still have anything to deliver? Would the business crash? It's continuous. And I think the fact that the fear of failure is there, I think it gingers us to just make sure that we dot our T's and cross our I's and just do things the right way so that our business can survive. Um, we know that regardless of whether 
we, we um, succeed or fail, people will still be moving goods. So we, we just have to continue to retain and grow our market share. Um, so fear of failure is there daily, you know, overthinking things. You're, you're about to put out content there, thinking, should I, shouldn't I? But to be honest, I just think for little things like that, oh, what's the worst that could happen? Nobody would like it. Nobody would repost it or whatever. But then just put it out there. And I'm learning that. I'm still learning that. And I think, um, yeah, fear of failure is real. <laughs> So, I mean, Adrian, talk, talk me through that as well, because I know for you, the films are there, um, you put them out, and it's like only 12 people came to watch it one week or whatever. How do you deal with that feeling? I mean, what happens when you've done something and you've actually failed? How do you deal with that? Um, so, I have done something that's actually like flat out failed, but that was like, that was a, that was a business, right? So, like, outside of filmmaking, right, I'm also like, I also like, I'm building a few products on the side, or I'm building one product now. Um, but I built a product in 2020, myself and my team had this fantastic idea, we felt it was like a great idea. We did an, an MVP, we're trying to get it up, but because it was a health, it was COVID, like middle of COVID, so it was, and it was a health tech product, we we're not allowed to like put it up on any platforms without like getting like a government like regulatory body to like sign off. Um, so we now pivoted and like put it in like a, um, Africa Development Bank competition. We got to the top 100 solutions in Africa. We're feeling good. And then they just like sent us that, you know, um, we are sorry to inform you. And like from there, we just couldn't get the product off the ground. Just like flat out failure. And we packed the ship and now we're building something else, right? The truth of the matter is that you must be willing to accept that if you're going to succeed, you fail, period. Oh, wow. That is it, period, full stop. I don't know any story, right? I've, and I've read a lot of stories. I don't know any story that the people who succeeded did not fail. They failed at something. They just didn't tell us. They probably didn't tell you, or you didn't read it, because we all like highlights. Like, there's no reason for me to be posting failures every day on my social media. And that's what all of you are, like, looking at. But if you go and read, like, the stories of real successful people, there's, like, a ton of failure in their journey. So you just need to be able, as, and as a creative, yes, you didn't even know the things that will succeed. I'll give you an example, like Lucky shot Naked Woman, like, was, he didn't even tell me he was shooting it. He sent me the story, right? I didn't even read it, like, it was a very sh small project that didn't have a lot of investment. It was him, two other people who shot a very small project that just like, let's just be doing something, let's have something that we've done. Naked Woman has gone everywhere. Like, nobody felt like it would go anywhere. And it has literally gone everywhere. It was at a frave, it was, has done, it was, it was viewed at the Smithsonian Museum in New York. Only three films from Africa were, right? The things that you are feeling will succeed may fail. The things that you are feeling won't succeed will succeed. You just have to keep on creating if that's what you feel like God has called you to do in life. Talk to Falabi, he'll tell you. The songs that he likes so much, maybe nobody rates. Yeah. Do you get God will use what, Sorry, what he will use. Right? You don't choose which vessels are earthing and which vessels are silver. That's God's work. Your job is just to keep on creating. Accept that failure will come. It will. So I think the way to overcome failure is to accept that failure is coming. The reality is that like, having like, a strong support system helps you. So for example, I'm married, right? Whoop! <laughs> if I chose to, and my wife works, and I work, right? And if I said, okay, next year, I want to invest 50% or 70% of my savings in filmmaking. It's easier for me to do that because I marry someone who works. So I know that worst case, I'll have food to eat. 
So the reality is that having some support system like helps, having, you know, thinking through the risk a little bit, like the way she said, said, oh, after one year, we don't do it again, right? But you need to, like, decide, like, what is that, like, bar, like, what is it for you? So failure will come, right? But yeah. Awesome. I wanted to also add that even when you fail, that you would just at least take things you learned from, for, so for example, you would, the MVP you created, you now know why it didn't succeed, and then you take learnings from that and apply it to the next project. So we have a question from our online audience. Um, this person is asking, how do you balance a full-time job um, with creating, especially when it's really demanding, how do you balance these two competing energies? Okay. I guess that's for me. Um, okay, a couple of things. First of all, you know, when I was at my first employer, if you like remember, if you like to remember. <laughs> okay, when I was at my first employer, great learning experience for me. Okay, no, my second employer actually, but my first, like the one I worked at the longest. Um, I said like having all this interest. And I remember some, somebody said to me one time, Adrian, like, is it okay for, to you that you probably won't get like the highest rating that you can get based on like, like how good you are at work just because you aren't available all the time? Do you understand? Mm. Like other people are available to work till 11, they work weekends. I probably worked weekends maybe three times in five years, right? Which is unheard of in like that company, right? But because I knew the kind of life I wanted, I was willing to make a sacrifice in a certain place. Sometimes we want everything. So it's like, if you work in a company, right, and you draw your boundaries, right, reasonable boundaries, you'll find time for, you may be able to find time for stuff. So the first thing is, you need to be able to accept that People who devote their entire lives to this cause will probably get higher ratings and more reviews than me, who is not devoting my entire life to the cause. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, good. That's the first thing. Second thing, if you're a 9 to fiver, be freaking good at your job. Yeah. Like, be good. Like, you see those eight to nine hours you work? Be, like, be dope. Like, study. Like, be excellent. Like, think. Because being good at your job gives you leverage that not being good at your job, like, I don't have to explain it. It got to a point where there's no story you wanted to tell my partners. They were fine with me. Like, hey, Adriel did not pick my call. Adriel does not like working after five. Adriel, okay, did he deliver? Yes, move on. <laughs> did you get? So because I built credibility, they gave me room. They always used to tell me, feel free to pursue the things you are doing so long as it doesn't impact the job. What does it mean? Just be good at the thing. So I think that a lot of the issues arise when you are struggling at the one that is paying you, and then you're like, oh, I want all this freedom, I want to be able to, no, be good, they pay you. Do you get, you have to invest in it. There's, like, they pay their business. That is somebody's dream also. The way you want to go and work on your dream, right, and want people to support you, is the way that this, your nine to five, someone's dream. No company is not somebody's dream. Every company is somebody's dream. So they need, like, you to make that investment as well. So be good at the thing and then draw your, like, your boundaries. You won't always like, be at like, jiggets, but you What if somebody's dream is giving you shackles? Is, hmm? What if somebody else's dream is giving shackles? Personally, okay. Okay. No, I'm getting real. I'm, yeah, I'm it's real. To... I know it's real. Personally, I always say like, I have been very like, lucky with employment, right? But I learned, I heard a couple of things before I started working first time. The first thing is, you have to draw boundaries extremely early. In fact, draw boundaries from like interview stage. So that's creating, a, like sometimes people want to impress so bad, they eliminate all boundaries. Why have you not taken leave in three years? What are you doing? 
Tell them, sir. What are you doing? There's literally no job. Why? I know someone who told me last year, he was in my creative team. I used to drag him every Saturday. You, like, you have to draw boundaries early. Why have you not taken leave in three years? In fact, it's, it's fraudulent for you not to take leave in three years. <laughs> so if you have to draw boundaries early, uh, uh, what did I say? Like, to be very honest, don't slack at your job. Don't be bad at your job. Don't be an unreasonable employee. So like sometimes, like there was a week I worked, like I was literally working maybe seven to two, sleep to four, work for one week, because they sent me there for the specific purpose to finish that project in one week. They didn't do it a lot, they did it one time. There I made all the sacrifices I could make. But draw boundaries. I think that that's, like, that's the first step. So is giving shackles, why is he giving shackles? Was he giving shackles from day one? Could you have pushed back on day one and said, okay, like this is not like, like I don't, like this doesn't work for me, right? I know that some employers are like really, really toxic, and like that's the entire culture. But then also, I know that this, I'm speaking from a place of privilege now, but some of you have the privilege you haven't used it. Um, when you are picking places to work, also think about culture. It's not only about money. Because sometimes you left a place that was good for you, your real life, for a place that was paying you 100K more. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Do you understand? So also think about like their culture, like how they treat people and stuff like that. So that's how I think about it. If it's, it's giving shackles, why? Like draw your boundaries, pray. And I think if it's really like really, really bad, then actively like try to like get like a new place, like a better culture, upskill yourself and like try to move very, very actively. And I pray that God like does it for all of us. Amen. Amen. I'm kicking on wanna share. Okay. Um, so we have one more question from, from the audience, and then I'll take one or two more um, from, from what we had curated. This person says, what do you do when you have pushed your dreams to a point where, you know, your breakthrough is just like a little step away, and all you need is um, some help from Uncle Sheon or Uncle Olu just to get over the hump, um, but it's not forthcoming? I think that's kind of where we are now. <laughs> We've pushed our <laughs> dreams and we're trying to, we're trying to raise VC money. <laughs> so we're so not on Kushio, but... Not on Kushio, but VCs. <laughs> um, so we're talking to potential investors. Um, we now have our MVP, etc., etc. And I think that's where the faith comes in. Just keep pressing in. Educate, uh, educating yourself on opportunities. You need to, first of all, see opportunities for, or find the uncle or who, know the exact uncles or whoever it is that can be your helper. And just pray because at the end of the day, that uncle or that VC isn't really your, isn't your source. They're just a channel. Yeah. So when you know that God is the actual, is the ultimate source, you just keep holding on him and keep pressing in and just remembering him that, reminding him that, see, you gave me this business because we're just on our own. We stumbled on the idea. You've helped us grow it. Now we want to take it to the next level. And God isn't a man that he would lie. He told us that he will help us with our business. He told us that we, he knows the, we, he means good for us and not evil, etc., etc. Just hold on to the promises of God and keep the faith up. And I'm, I'm blessed to have a partner who also attend, we're in the same faith, and we also attend the Elevation Church. So we feed off each other's strengths. When I'm like, hey, God, when is this thing going to happen? Amma pulls me up and then, and, and, the, and you know, both ways. So we've been through a lot together over the last nine years. And we're about to hit it. We're just at, the, at that place. And we know that we'll testify when it comes to fruition. In Amen. Jesus Amen. Amen. I wanted to say something like, I have some money for you, but I really don't have any money for you. <laughs> but um, so, Adrian, I wanted to ask you this as well, because I know that for some of your projects, you've had to like, rely on resources from friends and sort of crowdfund for it. How, how has that helped you? How have you figured out that skill of reaching out to people when you need help to be able to deploy something creatively? <laughs> 
Um, I know no other way, to be honest. Like, oh, you're yeah, I know no other way. Like when, like, want to do something, I'm typically just like, help me, like, <laughs> like, see me, this is what we want to do. Okay, but seriously now, like, our last short film, EJ, right, which we viewed here for the first time, actually, first time anybody saw it was inside this hall. Um, we created like a very nice pitch, right? And then we sent it to like, we just like sent it out. I can't remember like, we just were sending it to random people. And then Oni, that's my wife, had a friend in the US who um, just was interested in filmmaking, right? And she saw our pitch. Okay, our pitch was for another story actually, it was for Lagos Nights, which we haven't shot. Um, we, she saw our pitch and she was like, I like this story. But it's not like I don't want to put money in this story. I have an idea, but I want to work with the guys who made this pitch. Jiggets. And that's how we got funding to shoot EJ. So we brought in like we did we recovered like the most of the non-cash stuff and I leveraged like a ton of relationships and I made like maybe 10 or 15 percent of the cash. But like 90% of the cash was like just from my pitch sending to like only to my friends and saying, see this film want to shoot, like what do you think? Because it was this was not a you're not going to make money from it, right? So we like in my own journey, I always like leverage friends and family first. But you know, there's a place where you like where they are now, that's past friends and family stage. But like that like beginning like points, um, friends and family first. And then whatever represents your idea, try and make it as excellent as possible. Because Something that VCs say, right, and that investors typically say, is that they don't invest in ideas, they invest in people. Now, your, you cannot be, cannot be in 100 places at like, but what is representing your idea? Is it a pitch document? Is it an actual like MVP? Whatever it is, needs to be of a certain quality that indicates, okay, I want to talk to this person and know them more. If you send somebody a dirty, nasty pitch that isn't like well done, they have no interest in meeting you or no interest in helping you. So like that's already the end of the journey. So I think just like invest in like the things that like represent your ideas to people who may possibly help. That's all I can say. Awesome. So I'm gonna ask two more questions. This first one is sort of addressing the dark side of creativity. Um, and, and I know that, okay, so I'm gonna try and make it relevant to the both of you. So I was talking to Adriel about this earlier. There are people who have deployed their creative energy um, and then created this massive platform for themselves. And then as they create that platform, the platform becomes a place where they can start to, to share their own personal opinions on, on things. And I believe that that's what God expects from us. If you become this great music artist or whatever, share truth through your platform. But then you start to share things. And then in sharing that truth, you get canceled. Or you, get, you start to encounter opposition. So I'll give a classic example. 202010. I mean, sorry, 2010-20, we went through that whole experience as a people. Imagine you then, I mean, I know one of the films you made was premised around sort of like police brutality and all of that. Imagine putting that film out and getting a vitriol reaction from people. Or in your case, you built this business, you then encounter some kind of adversity and you have to sort of lay people off. Like, so this is a great business, but because I want to sustain this creativity, I have to lay people off and you get a lot of backlash from that. My question is, what do you do in these types of situations? How do you deal with things where, based on who you are, based on what you are going through, you have to act a certain way and people come back at you with all the hate they can give? 
Okay, from that example, if you have a business and you know the resources you have are limited, and for that reason, for only that reason, not based on, oh, I don't like his face or whatever, for that reason, you have to lay people off. I think it's unpleasant, but there's a, there's a way you can go about an unpleasant activity that the person actually understands. Um, communication is key. Okay, we have this amount of resources. This is the challenge we're facing. In order to sustain the business, we need to do X, Y, Z. And I think if you're you know, out there, there should be like a press release or something, you know, where, you, where you're open about what you're going through because it's a hard decision to make to lay people off, to just cut off their source of livelihood. But I've heard where people would say, oh, I got to work today, I logged in and my password just didn't work. That's the wrong way to go about it. But then it goes without saying, even the biggest, the, the, the best of us are laying people off and we're seeing it on the media almost every week. It's like layoff season. So um, that's just the reality of the economy. And if you have to do something at that level, then I think it's just about educating and going about it the right way. And then looking at your terms, you know, terms of employment and making sure that it actually um, aligns with the, with the way you have, you have gotten rid of the staff. Now, if it's something else, that's an example with layoffs. But if it's something else you've done, you've built a business and then something big happens and people now start cancelling you. Uh, I pray I'm never in that situation <laughs> because... It's cancel it's ca the cancel culture is huge, you know, at the moment, and people just cancel people for literally anything. I think it's just, I don't know how I'll deal with cancel. <laughs> I don't want cancel culture. Uh, the thing is, okay, for example, um, if we have a transaction and something goes wrong, maybe a, pa a person's parcel was late or something, and we're canceled or called out on, inst on social media, that has happened. In the early days, it would, uh, it would rock us shedding tears, like, oh my God, this thing wasn't my fault. Hi, Amma. <laughs> yes. Because she's looking at you like, <laughs> she can't you're the one who used to shed the tears. And we're tears. talking about this yesterday. <laughs> we're actually speaking about this yesterday. So you would weep, you know, you don't want to be dragged. And they will drag you like small gen. But at the end of the day, you just have to, we've now developed a thick skin, you know. We don't want to drop the ball, but sometimes the ball drops. So um, I think when the ball drops, at least we have each other. We ha I have someone. So even if you're alone in business, I think you can have an accountability partner or your wife or whoever it is close to you to just let the steam off with. But please, you guys, even at your own level, please, Stay away from cancel culture. Dragging people is not nice. It's a human being behind the brand at the end of the day. So please put yourself in our shoes. Thank Absolutely. You. Savagery is not a fruit exactly, of the spirit. Exactly. Um, hmm. When I think about this, right, I think there are two circumstances where you typically be canceled. And the first one is when you deserve to be canceled. And the second one is when you don't deserve to be cancelled, right? Um, I, when I use cancel, I don't mean like the craziness. I just mean like when people should call you out and when people, like when you feel, like when you actually haven't done anything wrong. And I think in the first one, right, I think you should apologize, right? When you recognize that you've done something wrong, you should take a step back and say, I did this thing wrong. I had this perspective, for example, all those people that said there was no mass shooting in Lekki. I thought it was a lie. I thought it was like this. This is why I thought it was a lie. And now that the Lagos State government has released a report showing that it happened, I now recognize my error and like I apologize to everyone who was hurt by this. I think if you actually do something wrong, you must always be willing to recognize in any situation that I may be wrong. That's the first thing. Like, so I think that sometimes you're wrong, right? So, yeah. Yeah, but like at least like you've done your part. There's something, there's a quote like, I, like, I, when I used to read a lot when I was younger, 
I think it's by Eleanor Roosevelt, wife of, I think, Franklin D. Roosevelt. And it's something around, like, do what you feel is right. Because you'll be damned if you do, and you'll be damned if you don't. Right? And that's sort of like how I live my life. Right? So, in the times even when you've done something right, then there's nothing... <laughs> like, just enjoy roll, the drag. with the punches. Like, I don't know anybody that's died, as in, I don't know, some people have died, but like, most people don't die from being cancelled. Right? If you... There's, I don't know, there's an artist that says this sometimes, they say audience of one, and he's talking about God. I don't know who that is, I can't remember who it is. Israel, but like, if, it's who? Israel Hutton. Tim Godfrey? Well. Nah, he's an American guy, sorry. <laughs> but, but yeah, maybe he also says it, right? But audience of one, right? If we think about like, why we do the things that we do, and we say, oh, I'm called to do this thing, and I'm called to say this thing, and I was called to say this like by God, right? I'm doing it for him. And then, like, whatever happens, happens. You know, is the way um, there's this scripture of even if, even if I am, even if I am killed, even though he slay me, even though he I trust slay me, but yet I trust him. If God has sent you somewhere and you said the thing that he said you should say, even though you are slayed, just trust him, right? What, what, what can the world take from you? The world can take money from you. The world can take fame from you. Can take the world life. can take acceptance from you. Worst case, the world can take this life from you. But mm. they can't take life from you because mm. that comes from God. Preach, Pastor. Right? So I think that if we have like this sort of eternal perspective to like our everyday lives, like these things become a bit more meaningless. I always think about, like sometimes I think about eternity. It is so, you don't understand how endless endlessness is. And that's like sort of where God operates from. So if my promise is really Jesus said, don't fear the one who can take your body. Fear the one who can take your actual life. So, um, yeah, so I think that's it. So if you, if the thing that you're, because I assume that this is like a sort of a Christian, maybe like a Christian question around, oh, I've elevated myself to this platform and I want to like preach actual Christian values based on actual scripture, not hate and fear. Um, and I'm getting cancelled. Yeah, so, so you'll not be as famous anymore. You sell 100 million CDs, you sell 50 million. Uh -huh. Do you get what I'm saying? So um, you won't be a billionaire, you'll be a millionaire in dollars. Uh -huh. <laughs> Did you get? You'll be okay. God, God got you, right? Thank you. Awesome. So we're going to wrap up now. They've given me the time outside. Don't flash me. I will flash you back. No problem. But I think it's very important to talk about this because the Bible talks about godliness with contentment. So I'm going to ask you this. How do I balance being content? I've deployed my creative energy. I have gotten this result. Um, and how do I enjoy being content? Like how do I balance ambition and contentment? And how do you do that? Um, I think regardless of whatever status you've attained, um, you shouldn't lose the drive to, to get more. So um, balancing attainment with contentment, I think is easy when, you, when you're not, you, you can be driven without being, okay, so what's your, what's, what's, what's your motivation for wanting more? Um, you know, even the Bible says that some of us ask, but we ask our so we don't get answers to our prayers. Why do you want more? Is it because you want to prove that I've arrived? Or is it because you want to show the glory of God and let people know that whatever success you have is tied to God? And at the end of the day, you're still preaching the word and, and showing him as the person behind everything that you are and giving everything to him. So although we're content with where we are, okay, we've achieved nine years, but we're still pushing for more. And at the end of the day, it's... Um, contentment but still you know pushing for more so I think that the vision until God's not done until you're dead so as long as I'm alive I'm still going to keep pushing and and um, doing more 
All right, please, can we just put our hands together and thank our guests? Okay, thank you so much. Uh, okay, so I'm just going to ask our two guests to pray. And if you are trusting God for grace, um, to be able to deploy your creative energy in a specific way, now is the time for you to just begin to ask God, God, please give me the wisdom. And as they speak these words over you, remember that you need to plug your heart in. You know, let your heart and the words that have been spoken, let them resonate together. And as they resonate, say amen in faith and believe that as you say amen, the grace of God, the power of God, the creative genius of God is being activated on the inside of you. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for the Life Point Church. Thank you for this topic. Thank you for the impact. Thank you, Lord, for the audience. Father, Lord, at every level that we're at, whether we're upcoming, whether we're growing, whether we're still thinking of the ideas that we want to create, oh God, we ask that you continue to inspire our thoughts. Let's continue to lean on you and you alone as the source of everything that we are, everything that we can be, and everything that we will be. Jehovah God, at that point where we need you, where people are facing writer's block or facing any kind of hindrance or stifling or at all, just choking, Father, we ask that you release them and that the faith, the glory upon their lives with which they've started and the, with which you have put them on this earth. Jehovah God, we ask that you would help us thrive. Everywhere we find ourselves, oh God, we will thrive in spite of, despite every single challenge, oh God. And that Lord, at the end of the day, oh God, all glory will go on to you. Despite the challenges, help us rise, oh God, and help us show why we call ourselves Christians. Jehovah God, we know that we will not be put to shame. In everything we lay our hands on, oh God, we ask that you shall grant unto us the desires of our hearts in line with your will for us. We thank you, Father, this day, and we pray that as we leave here, oh God, with a new zeal, with a new drive to create, oh God, as we create, Father, you would put your blessings upon that which we create, oh Lord, and multiply in our favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, dear Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to be in your presence. Um, we are so grateful for all the many gifts that you're giving us. Um, the ability to create, the ability to think, the ability to ideate, the ability to execute, to start new businesses, to build new products, to create music, to create art. We're so grateful for that latent gift that is in all of us. And so we say thank you in the name of Jesus. We, we, you know, we lean into you and we just pray for enablement to bring our things to life that we have like you know that spirit of excellence that spirit of execution that's like inner fire and drive to bring our things to life in the name of jesus for any of us who is here who is sort of at a junction um trying to decide like oh how do i like what, what where do i go from here which of my many talents do i like lean into we pray that you provide clarity and direction in the name of jesus for any of us who is like you know, at like a bridge, right? Where we just need like one, like an additional push to make it to the next step. I pray that we receive favor in the name of Jesus. If it's funding we need, we receive funding in the name of Jesus. If it's people we need, we receive people in the name of Jesus. But are you show yourself strong, right? To just like help us, to like take us from where we are to where we need to be. And we trust you, dear Father and King. We trust you because we know that you always take care of us and you're always working in our interest. So um, today we just say, come again and say thank you. Thank you for even the things that you've done that we haven't seen yet. In Jesus' name, have we prayed? Amen. So, thank you so much to all our guests. We really appreciate having you thank over. Thank you for listening. 
We hope that the message has blessed your heart. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng. For more information about us and all our other resources, please visit www.lifepointng.org.